and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet at the John Gabby Show. Coming from right here on my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world. Movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, all sorts of wonderful stuff. I'm joined today sitting over here. It's Chris Carr. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing great. We were talking about one of my favorite things, Elvira. She's the best. <laughs> I Say it, John. Just say it. I, I don't get Elvira. <gasps> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trashed on Elvira, I'm not bad mouth, I'm just saying I Really? Because you literally compared her, you said she is the Kim Kardashian of her, like, Yeah, it just got famous for being famous. That's not true! Anyway, I'm joined, of course, by the pain of my ass perpetually, Aaron Hi! Going on 12 years, pain of my ass. Well, prior to John basically just, like, just leveling this entire room's energy by... Crapping on a cultural icon. Exactly. Prior to that, Joey, Joey Bishop and I were in the best mood ever because we're joined by Joey's grandma and my mother. You've heard me talk about her so many times on the show. My mother is here from Texas. She's in the studio for the first time. So you mm-hmm. think Welcome, you'd mom. be partially behaved today. Oh, but it's, that it's, ain't going to no, happen. It, because we're going to be worse. It's going to be so much worse because, as, as you know, anytime your parents are around, you revert to your 16-year-old self. Yep. Let me tell you, 16-year-old Aaron Cummings was quite a twat. And still fighting for your independence. Always. And sitting back here, always fighting for your independence. Yes. He's joining you guys in the live chat today. The reigning games champion, by the way, Ray oh, Orr is not here. here. Rob's not here. I only like to put it in you the face You only like to rub Rob. it in when Rob's yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. It's Rob won, sad because uh, I Rob, lose so always. I mean, uh, Ray won a uh, password yesterday. <gasps> of course he did. Of course he, he did. Rob and Christian. The only person to uh, get me is uh, Aaron. Yeah. Yep, Aaron. Aaron, Aaron. It was a fluke. Because the aliens, fluke. man. That first answer. You gave that first answer. Yeah, that was that, that was, was spooky. Dead. What was it? It was the uh, aliens. I mean. And joining us, running the show back here, of course, is Jonathan Voico. Jonathan, how you doing? It's one of life's mysteries. It's like Ray can win challenges for figures for other people. But he can never win a challenge for himself to get a figure. <laughs> uh, you know what, by the way, the can people, I just baby. say the most stereotypical thing in the world this time? Can you bring up your camera again, Jonathan? Oh. I know. We mentioned that Aaron, that Aaron's mom is here and she's literally sitting in the back knitting. <laughs> I, you cannot write this. I That's mean, so you cannot write this. Like the people in the chat are like, oh my God, John, Aaron's mom is knitting a sweater. She's actually repairing the crocheted baby blanket that my heathen animal child keeps <laughs> ripping apart with the three teeth in his face. No, no, I was just going to say, you wouldn't be surprised how many people knit while listening to your show. I wouldn't be surprised if you knit while doing the show. I'm knitting right here. my laptop. All right, guys, here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it down into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. That happens in two ways. Number one, you got to be watching live. Number two, when we get to the end of the main topics, we'll announce that we're opening up the Super Chats. That will be your cue to start firing in your thoughts, theories, questions, and opinions, and we will address those in the second half of the show. Also, want to let you guys know a little bit of housekeeping here. And if you need your daily fix of the John Campia show, but you can't always be in front of a YouTube video, maybe you're commuting, you're on the train, maybe you're at work, good news there is an audio-only version of our show that we creatively call the John Campia Show Podcast. Just go to your favorite podcasting app of choice and to subscribe to it today. Also, a little bit later today, 
Also, yeah, we got our after show podcast feed, by the way, <laughs> that we have the next little, that's a nice segue, a little bit later today at three o'clock, Los Angeles time, uh, maybe 3.30 TBD, uh, three or 3.30 today, Los Angeles time, we're going to be doing our Andor after show uh, after last night's mm, episode so that I've been good. dying yum, to yum, talk yum. about for like three weeks now. <laughs> uh, I, I just cannot wait to talk about this a little bit later. Make sure you guys come back and join us for that. All right, with all that down, let's get things started off here with an off the top. And that off the top is this. Disclaimer, Ryan Reynolds gives a lot of money to this show. He's how I live here. <laughs> He's how, yeah. Uh, full disclaimer. We have a Ryan Reynolds suite in yeah. the background. Thank you, Ryan. He provides all of mommy's medicine. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, Mint Mobile, of course. He's an owner of Mint Mobile, and Mint Mobile's a major sponsor of us here. So I just want to give that disclaimer so everybody's fully fully aware anyway so ryan reynolds and will ferrell we've known for a long time they've got this christmas special coming out called spirited and they've kind of been you know talking it up for a while we got our first look at it actually i'm gonna say over a year ago yep. we got really our first look at it and now it is finally ready to come out they've put out the first trailer for it what was that it was everything we love about christmas i i i was not impressed. <gasps> I, I, I listen. I believe with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell involved, I hundred percent believe this is going to be incredibly entertaining. I, I believe it's going to be delightful. I can't wait to watch it. Hundred percent. I've been waiting for this for a very, very long time. It needed Elvira. <laughs> <laughs> That's what was missing. There's a distinct. There's a Elvira-shaped hole in its heart. It's no, more of a V cut. I. <laughs> Our Cricket Mobile question of the week. <laughs> our new Cricket Mobile hotline question of the day. No, I, but whoever is responsible for putting the trailer together, listen, the job of a trailer is to take your excitement level, no matter how high or high or low, and bump it up a bit. This trailer, and granted, I was already excited for this. I am. But this trailer did nothing to get me more excited for it. I'm, I'm just being honest here. I, again, I'm totally sure it's going to be great. I cannot wait to watch it. These are two of the most entertaining guys in the world. But I, I'll be honest with you, the trailer, uh, except for the one line Ryan says near the beginning when him and Will Ferrell do the tap dancing, and he says something about tap dancing. Yeah, it's a very expressive art or a very expressive <laughs> medium. Yeah, that okay, that was funny. Um, I, I just felt like they, whoever put these trailer, this trailer together could have done a better job maybe communicating what the, the special is. Anyway, that's just my take on it. Uh, Chris, you saw it. What did you think of it? Oh, my gosh. First of all, Ryan, next time you send a crate of aviation gin... Who are you going to send it to, Poppy? <laughs> I got you. I got you. Okay? I, I'm a huge Christmas person. This is my, Christmas is my favorite so time of year. So mine's my favorite time of yeah, year. Yeah, I, I love it so much. I start decorating the day after Thanksgiving. I'm a nightmare. Mm -hmm. And I also a sucker for like Netflix straight to streaming Hallmarky Christmas mm -hmm. movies. So I understand that I am a cheap date for this market. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I think this looks super, super fun. I think it's going to be a really fun reimagining. These two are hilarious together. They're going to do some song and dance stuff, which is always something I love. And I like that we're not getting the biggest jokes, honestly. This is a nice little tease. I don't want to see a trailer where the best jokes all happen right in there. That's but this true. got me laughing. Micro Michael, come on. That oh, was great. I okay. love all the tiny I, I will Tim give names. That, yeah. I'll give that scene Those a little bit, great. too. I'll give that scene some love. That was pretty good. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. Aaron, you saw. What did you think? Oh, I 
I, I absolutely loved it. I mean, I had to actually shoo my mom away because she was breathing and moaning ecstasy and joy over this trailer in my ear. And I finally had to like scoot her off and rewatch it um, undistracted because it is it is just so much fun. In fact, the first part of it is just the silhouette of them dancing and it immediately gave me vibes of big the scene where they're on oh, where they're wow, dancing yeah. on the piano and first of all big is just you know it's one of those movies that no matter who you are if you've ever seen it it just gives you all the warm fuzzies so automatically just having something that made me connect with that already i was invested and then they go in and have the this you know cute little moment of the two of them their chemistry is very clear right off the top have they ever done a movie together i'm blanking on anything no. that i, I mean, really the first thing i recognize that they sort of did together and they weren't even on screen together was that little stunt they pulled a while ago where I think Ryan Reynolds was supposed to be on Jimmy Fallon and Will Ferrell was supposed to be on Jimmy Kimmel mm -hmm. and they swapped so they introduced Ryan Reynolds and, <laughs> and Will Ferrell came out movies. and it that was hilarious that uh -huh. was like really funny so they, they clearly have a friendship behind yeah, the yeah. scenes yeah. and what I'm noticing you know I mean Ryan Reynolds let's face it we're having a Reynolds essence or something I mean he's everywhere he's buying teams he's got vodka he's got uh like uh, mobile. I mean, he's he's all over the place, and I always got this documentary. I mean, like Deadpool three coming out. Clearly, it is the Reynolds Reynolds song. Well, he never went anywhere. That's no, the... I don't mean. But what I mean he's is dominating. that like he's dominating. Yeah, right this now. is the era of Reynolds. And so then, and to the have, of Reynolds. And it's and having a Christmas movie is like money in the bank in perpetuity. Because yeah. if you have bank. a successful Christmas movie, you are getting pa 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 paid every single year it's as what it can, we all want. It's what we all, all want. All actors want a Christmas movie for those sweet, tasty residuals. A hundred percent. I mean, if Hallmark paid residuals, I would this be like can, but they don't. Um so I think it is a, a brilliant move for him because we're just going to have Ryan Reynolds every Christmas, which who doesn't want that? But also, I love the chemistry that they have. Sometimes I feel like Will Ferrell, especially recently, I feel like he kind of pushes. I didn't get that. And I think that that's from this. And I feel like that's part of their relationship is he I, doesn't feel like he has to. I think it's fair to say Will Ferrell hasn't been on his A game in a while when he works with a Canadian though working with Canadians though he was with Rachel McAdams yep. in Eurovision and I think I think this chemistry is going to work really well I, again I just the, the trailer didn't make me more excited I mean I was already excited but oh well we'll see questions for you guys did you see the trailer for Spirited if so what did you think whatever your thoughts are jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there all right guys with that down, let's get on to the, uh, <laughs> good timing, the newest segment of our show here, our Mint Mobile Hotline Question of the Day. And if you guys have a question that you'd like to call in and have your voice on our show, call our Mint Mobile line anytime, 951-268-4259. So Jonathan, what do we got in our Mint Mobile Hotline Question today? Hey John and crew, this is Ashley from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I am a huge Halloween franchise fan. I love 2018, and I absolutely hated Kills. But I'm kind of excited a little bit about maybe Halloween Ends. However, I did see that the embargo for reviews on Halloween Ends does not lift until Thursday at 3 p.m. My ticket is for Thursday at 5 p.m., and I don't know if I should cancel it or not. Do you think having an embargo so close to the premiere is a good sign or a bad sign? 
Thanks, and bring on the filthy. Thanks for calling that in, Ashley. Um, oh, it's a bad sign. Yeah. They, no, the, the, we could finesse this, and we could try to semantic it a bit. No, this is a really bad... Like, I think dropping... Having the review embargo for a thing drop, like, a day before the movie is a horrible, horrible sign. Dropping it, like, two hours before the movie got... Listen, I am with you. The 2018 Halloween, I thought, was fantastic. And I've never liked a Halloween film. I, I, I don't even like the original. I mean, that puts me in a very, very small minority, but I didn't even like the original. And so I didn't have a lot of hope for the 2018 version. It came out. I went to go see it. I'm like, wow. Like, I... I legitimately had a great time watching the movie. So I was super excited when Halloween Kills was coming out. And then uh, they were going to do the Peacock thing. with, And I'm like, all right, well, whatever. And that movie, it's all subjective. This is just my opinion. You may have loved it, and that's great. But I thought it was terrible. I, I really didn't. As much as I loved that first one, I really disliked the second one. So, okay, then they're going to do Halloween ends. All right, they're going to pull their boots back up. They're going to redeem it, whatever. And then we heard again, they're going to do the Peacock theater hybrid release. I'm like, oh, that's not a good sign. Mm -hmm. And then the review embargo, literally hours. Look, when you're a studio and you're a distributor, you want word of mouth of your movie to get out if you believe word of mouth of your movie is going to be good. And when you don't, you hide it. And they do not want negative reviews to get out. They don't want negative word of mouth to get. Look, there's really, there's no other explanation here. You, If you believed in your movie, then you want people talking about your movie. You want the word of mouth to get out there. You want the reviews to get out there. And when you make the review embargo literally hours, maybe in some cases minutes before the movie comes out, and you're saying, we want people to commit to buying their tickets before we let them hear anybody else talk about this movie, mm -hmm. that's a major red flag. Now, look, is it possible? Is it possible that Iron Man shows up in this movie and they just really <laughs> want to keep the spoilers from getting out? Tony. I, Tony, yeah. I, it's Okay, look, sure, there is a possibility. There is. But I'm, I'm just saying, I don't know anybody rationally could look at this and not think this is a potential big red flag. Anyway, Aaron... You hear about this. Uh, should Ashley be getting <laughs> refunding her ticket at this point? You know, I don't think you should refund your ticket, Ashley, because as you admitted, you are a huge Halloween fan. I think that you should just lower your expectations <laughs> to the floor and say, I'm going to go. I'm going to be decked out in my full orange and black. I am going to have a lot of fun and I'm going to throw popcorn at the screen. You know, make it a make it a drinking game. Uh, smuggle in some <laughs> aviation gin. And basically, every time someone says a predictable line or uh, there's uh, some, you know, Michael Myers pops up in a way that just makes absolutely no sense plot wise. Go ahead and take a shot. You can have your own Halloween party at Halloween. I don't think you should try to cancel your ticket. I think you should just go in and say, all right, this is going to be the worst thing that happens to me the entire Halloween season. And it can only go up from there. Chris, what do you think? Ashley, why did you get a ticket in the first place? It's streaming. <laughs> it's streaming. And that was such a vote of no confidence. Yeah. Anytime this happens, with the rare exception, honestly, of Chippendale Rescue Rangers, straight to streaming is a death sentence. And it means that the film is not good 99.9% .9 of the time. 
I wouldn't go see this, but also I'm not the demographic. And I, I don't think you should have to lower your standard for a movie. It's not, it's not a shitty date. It should be a fun experience. I want you to have a great Halloween. Yeah. I, yeah, but it's like if someone goes to see, um, you know, like Fifty Shades of Grey, I got you got to go in with a certain level of expectation. You're not going to see the pianist. Well, and that is a fun drinking game. That's yeah. what we do every Boxing Day as we watch Fifty Shades of Grey and get real drunk at how stupid that movie is. <laughs> I will say, though, that mask is starting to more and more look like William Shatner. Oh, 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 oh. come on. Now, if you're watching at home and you don't know what that reference is, is is to that was a William Shatner mask that had all of the color bleached off of it. So I I will say this, too. The real shame about this is that this is Jamie Lee Curtis's last outing as the character. Yeah. And, and like she really deserved to go about it at CinemaCon. And listen, Mm -hmm. listen, we haven't seen the movie. No, we haven't seen it. And if we did, we couldn't tell you about it. But I mean, it's we haven't seen it, so we don't know that the movie's gonna be bad. I just think it, all signs are pointing to it being. And the bad. first one was so good. It was great. Like the first it's of this recent fantastic. trilogy was awesome. I I'm also not the target demographic, but I saw that movie and I was like, this is great. Yeah, so much fun. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? Maybe you don't think that the almost unheard of thing of holding a review embargo until hours before the movie comes out is maybe all that big of a deal. Maybe you don't think the fact that they're doing a theater streaming hybrid like they did with Halloween Kills is all that big of a deal. Or maybe you do. Whatever you guys think about it, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to take a quick second here and thank one of the sponsors of our video, our friends at Raycon. Hey, guys, we want to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's video, Raycon. Now you guys know I've been using Raycon as a part of my morning routine for a long time now. I love getting up, getting on my treadmill, pulling out my iPad and watching my favorite tech YouTubers like Linus Tech Tips, another good Canadian kid by the way. And my Raycon wireless earbuds come through for me every time. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips with the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge. Trust me. My Raycons give me eight hours of play time and a 32 hour battery life. And one of the best things about Raycons is that they are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycons everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. And when I'm on my treadmill, the earbud tap functions help me stay hands-free and the noise isolation is fantastic. So guys, go to buyraycon.com today and use the promo code Campia15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code Campia15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code Campia15. And I really do use these Raycons every single day. I highly recommend them, especially for the price. Guys, check out their link and their promo code down in the description below. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So thank you again to Raycon. All right, guys. With that down, let's do another Mint Mobile hotline question of the day, shall we? You guys have been sending in a bunch of good ones. So what do we got up next here, Jonathan? Hey, John, this is Alan. I was just wondering, I saw Werewolf by Night, and I thought it was pretty good, but it got me thinking, could these special presentations take the place of, like, one-off Elseworlds type of stories similar to, like, what the Joker is, the DCEU? Thanks. Love to hear your thoughts. All right, Alan, thanks a lot for calling that in. And, yeah, Werewolf by Night, listen, I'll be honest with you, I... I did not have a lot of excitement for it. I didn't pay that much. T- I didn't even think it was a very good idea. 
So when I sat down to watch it the other night, and it turned out to be pretty damn great, I was very, very pleasantly surprised by it. You know what's funny, though? A lot of messages I've been getting from people, there's still a lot of people out there who think it's a series, and they're expecting episode two. Like I've, oh, I've been getting a lot of people, oh, I can't wait for the next episode. I've been getting that from a lot of people. It got canceled. <laughs> it got canceled after one episode. And I think part of the reason for that was, well, number one, because it's on Disney Plus, but number two, it's under an hour. So a lot of people just instantly thought it was a series, but unfortunately, no, it's, it's not a series. But what it does do is something that I've wanted the MCU to do for a long time, which is tell some truly isolated, self-contained stories where the hands of the creators are not being handcuffed to the continuity of all the thousand million moving pieces mm. of the MCU. Well, he can't do that because in Ms. Marvel episode four, this happened. So that's a contradiction to Kevin. <laughs> so so yeah, I, of me. I, so I, I've <laughs> always loved this idea of, of doing that because DC has been doing it. Like you said, Joker and look at the results, a billion dollar film, an Academy Award nomination for Best Picture, an Academy Award win for Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, they did it with the Batman, which, I mean, the Batman turned out to be fantastic. So I've really been waiting for Marvel to tell these types of stories. Now, of course, unlike Joker and the Batman, this does take place kind of in the MCU because they reference Captain America and the heroes and all that kind of stuff. So it is there but they kept it very firmly isolated from everything else. Like there was no reference to Iron Man coming in to do whatever, Thor. So it was very much self-contained, even though they threw in a little bit of things there that you know this is a part of the wider MCU world. I would love Marvel to take the success of Werewolf by Night and say, let's do more of this. Let's tell some creative stories that are not going to be handcuffed by what's going on in the big shared cinematic universe. Some great self-contained story where we can have the characters do whatever we want them to do, tell whatever kind of story we want to tell. Because you simply can't do that in the MCU if you're a filmmaker anymore. So I think it would be wonderful. Will they do it? I'm going to say yes, because I think that's part of the reason why they did Werewolf by Night in the first place, to be honest with you. Anyway, Chris, do you think something like Werewolf by Night could lead Marvel to doing some more like specials like even if they're like one hour one half hour because remember we got this guardians of the galaxy christmas special coming mm -hmm. out too which may or may not be kind of self-contained but what do you think the future of this could be oh i think they definitely should do this i like the elsewords comparison it is really that kind of what if ideology though in marvel right, right. and we've talked ad nauseum about how the self-contained story is something that's been missing from marvel because it does put too much pressure on these phases right where I'll go see Doctor Strange and I have all my eggs in one basket of, yeah. this is gonna explain so much of what's happening here and contain all this continuity information and really bind together what I need to expect. And when it doesn't, because of that preconceived expectation, which sure, you should leave your expectations at the door, but if that's how the universe works in this film, you know, you are gonna be a little disappointed when this film doesn't have great ramifications or doesn't lead to anything. When you have self-contained stories, it allows you to play in a sandbox that is just ripe with really, really cool things. You can kill off people willy-nilly. You can do all kinds of bananas-ass shit that does not have any long-term ramifications, and that's much more fun a lot of the time, too. Now, I do think ultimately Werewolf by Night will have some connections because we're bringing the supernatural. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, well, eventually we're bringing in the supernatural. I know Blade's coming out in 50 years. It's gonna be shit <laughs> But, allegedly. Allegedly. But 
I think doing more of these self-contained stories is a really great idea because then you get into all the weird, funky B-side aspects of Marvel, and that stuff is delicious. Aaron, what do you think about this? Is this something they could use as a template to tell more self-contained stuff, or do you think this is just what it was? It was just a really cool one-shot special, and we shouldn't read too much into it. I think we can absolutely look at this as a template for the future, and I think it's a great m move by the MCU because part of the whole the way of st the way of relevance is not just to appease the people who are already you know, who, have, who are already invested. The fans who already are going to watch every MCU film that comes out and are already going to be, you know, setting their live stream to be ready to watch every, you know, show as it comes out the second that it, and, and is going to be invested in every episode. But you also have to constantly be bringing in new viewers, new viewers. And one of the biggest issues that I hear from people who have not watched a lot of who have not you know watched Miss Marvel or WandaVision or Loki or any of the shows in the MCU one of the biggest barriers to entry is I'm so overwhelmed I wouldn't even know where to start mm. do That's I have to watch point. XYZ before I watch blank and so when you have something like Werewolf by Night, let's say that someone isn't necessarily interested in the MCU and they're like, I'm not really interested in superheroes, but I really love the movie Double Indemnity, which is one of the greatest film noirs, you know, uh, films of the of ever. You know, I love film noir. Oh, well, then you should check out Werewolf by Night. Oh, I loved American Werewolf in London. You should check out, Amer you know, Werewolf by Night. It's a great entry point for people who might be able to connect it to another genre that they're already fans of. You know, instead of just saying, oh, it's part of the MCU and then them feeling intimidated or overwhelmed that you have to watch the entirety of it. It's a great entry point That's for people point. to have just a one-off. And as Chris was saying, not only do you get to play with characters, you get to play with genres as we're seeing Absolutely. in this film noir 1940s period type thing. Whether that's, you know, canon to the comic books or not, it really is a specialized way of filmmaking that allows also a director to uh, work in a world that's not already cookie cutter for from someone else's vision. And it was a great starting point for a Michael Giacchino, who this was his real Hell first yeah. directorial thing, to do something so stylized and something kind of isolated. It's a great way to bring in new talent of storytellers as well. So. And he also did the score, which is oh, quite yeah. impressive. Well, which, is, which he's pri primarily is known for doing, of course, as scores. Guys, question is for you. What do you think about that? Do you think that Werewolf by Night can kind of open the door a little bit for Marvel to tell some, maybe some more self-contained stories? Maybe not 100% self-contained like the Joker and the Batman was, but but maybe a little bit more freedom to the filmmakers. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into our main topics now, shall we? And how do we select our main topics on the John Campy Show? Well, that's easy. That's where you guys come in because you guys come up with our main topics. See, whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic on the show, just go anytime, 24-7, over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. With that down, Aaron, 
What is our first main topic today? In keeping with the Ryan Reynolds assance, we have a question about him, his new project. Randy Gofino says, hey, John, Randy here from Oshawa, Ontario. I love Oshawa. Uh, growing up, my on-screen hero was John Candy. Damn right. He was a guy who left us way too soon and was an absolute comedy genius. Did you guys see that good Canadian kid Ryan Reynolds is producing a documentary about his life? I am so beyond excited for this. Give it all the Oscars now. What do you guys think of this and are you excited about it all right thanks a lot for saying that in and uh yeah this is just terrific news like john candy was obviously he was larger than life whether you're talking about trains planes and automobiles uncle buck i mean like for me it's barf uh oh yeah baseballs barfalo mule i mean and certainly my favorite of all the star wars films (laughs) (laughs) and it's your favorite of the star wars films it's true i mean to and, and and by the way and also co-owner of the Toronto Argonauts CFL football team when they won a great cup. He, I mean, he did a lot of things. And of course, going all the way back to his days in SCTV, which was for, for my American friends, it's a better version of Saturday Night Live. Just saying. Anyway, it's John Candy was a God among men. And if you're a good Canadian kid like Ryan Reynolds, we grew up with John Candy. And for him to tell this story is fantastic. Now, this comes us from the folks over at Cinema Blend who write the following. Ryan Reynolds felt compelled to make the announcement that he was going to be doing a documentary on John Candy's life on Twitter after seeing that John Candy was trending. The actor didn't hesitate to show his love for Candy before explaining that he and his production company, Maximum Effort, have teamed up with Colin Hanks for a documentary on Candy's life. Reynolds finished out his tweet by simply saying, expect tears, and I'd honestly expect nothing less. Of course, that news was only made sweeter by the response from John Candy's family. Christopher Candy retweeted the Deadpool star's message, sweetly confirmed that the project is in the works. And by the way, I believe it was John Candy's daughter also got on and said that, uh, indicated that they are actually working with them, that Mm. they are working in conjunction with Ryan Reynolds and the family is involved in this. And listen, I... Even if this is one of those great Canadian stories that even if you're not Canadian yourself, you love John Candy. Mm, mm-hmm. John Candy was, I mean, it just every time I think about John Candy, it just makes me feel a pang of sadness that we don't still have him today. Um, and his story is incredible. What he brought to the medium and to the art was fantastic. And I know I say this a lot about Ryan Reynolds, but Damn, I'm proud of that good Canadian kid for doing something like this. I think this is fantastic. So, anyway, Aaron, you hear about this. What do you think? Well, I understand the feeling of sadness that he's not still here at the same time. Not negating that. Not a but, but an and. And I think what a gift we all have in the fact that we can still go back and appreciate the films that this man left, you know, that this man left as an artist. I think that that's one of the ways that uh, artists achieve immortality is through the art that they leave behind. And, you know, uh, I love the fact that Colin Hanks is part of this because Tom Hanks and John Candy had a beautiful friendship. They um, did a movie called Volunteers together. They did Splash together. And if you, I didn't even honestly. They were so good in Splash. So good in Splash. The racquetball scene, hilarious. And honestly, until this very moment, if it weren't for these annoying, you know, Canadians, John and Ryan, I wouldn't even know that John Candy was a Canadian. All I knew was that he was everybody's favorite uncle if you grew up in the 80s. He was the uncle you wanted to go camping with. Um, And so I, I, I love the fact that an entire new generation 
of filmmakers is going to get to learn about him and see the comedic gold that is still there to be discovered if you have not seen his movies. Um, I mean, he's really fantastic also in one of my favorite musicals, Little Shop of Horrors, which, again, if you haven't seen it, you got to. It's fantastic. Um, so I just I'm so happy that this is happening. And I think it's wonderful that comedians, you know, that have the ability to get movies made, such as Ryan, are looking to the comedians that they looked up to when they were coming up and saying, hey, I want to pay tribute to this person. And I'm going to do that by making a documentary about his life. By the way, one of my business partners wrote texted me this morning uh, about this story and said, you know what? Ryan Reynolds should teach a master class on time management. <laughs> that dude has got a lot going on. That's, that's one of the greatest movies of all time right there. Mm -hmm. That is one of the greatest movies. All anyway, Chris, you hear about this. What are your thoughts? I'm so glad we're going to fi finally pay tribute to Gus Polinski, the polka <laughs> king of the Midwest. Come through. I love John Candy. I also, I loved SCTV because that introduced me to him and to Eugene Levy and Rick Moranis and Strange Brew and all yeah. of that kind of stuff. It was a wonderful rabbit hole to fall down. I'm so excited about this. You know, he left us all too soon. He passed from a heart attack in 94. And much like a lot of other prominent comedians where we've had this feeling with, you know, Robin Williams or others, it, it did feel like you lost a family member. Yeah. There, there was a true connection there through Home Alone, through Uncle Buck, through all these other films. So I'm really excited to see this. Little Canadian treasures recognizing each other. That's sweet. Yeah, That's I'm great. I'm I'm very excited about this. And again, it just makes it all the more sweet that number one, Ryan Reynolds is doing it. Number two, that he is doing it with Colin Hanks, who I guess that he was Uncle John to him. But I I just love this dude. This is just this is just makes your heart smile kind of news that I love covering once in a while. Anyway, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? Ryan Reynolds, Colin Hanks are producing a documentary about John Candy in cooperation with Candy's family. Are you looking forward to it? Maybe you're not really familiar with the works of John Candy. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to take a quick break here and thank another sponsor of today's show, our friends at HelloFresh. We want to take a moment and thank a sponsor of today's video, HelloFresh. Guys, my wife Anne and I love using HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. When you subscribe to HelloFresh, you can check save money off of your fall to-do list. HelloFresh is 25% cheaper than takeout and even less expensive than grocery shopping too. And HelloFresh works with your ever-changing schedule. Plans are flexible and you can choose your meals for the week, update your preferences, or change your delivery day all in the HelloFresh app. Now you know Anne and I are both working professionals, so when it comes to dinner time, it can be a bit of a challenge. We don't really have time to cook and we don't want to eat out all the time. And that's why HelloFresh comes through so clutch for us. Not only do we get to eat delicious, nutritious food, but Anne and I both have a lot of fun getting to cook together, following the easy-to-follow steps in getting the meals made. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Campia65 and use the code Campia65 for 65% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash Campia65 using the code Campia65 for 65% off plus free shipping. All right. And thank you to our friends at HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number two. Aaron, 
What is our second main topic today? Our second main topic comes to us from Black Adam's nephew. Tell your uncle I said hi. Good morning, John and the crew. Exciting news being reported that Dune 2 has moved its release date forward to November 3rd, 2023. Pending no delays from Warner Brothers Discovery, given their ongoing restructure, what's your reaction to this developing news of us finally getting the sequel we so rightly deserve sooner? And do you believe that they'll begin production on part three immediately? Thank and bring on the filthy. All right, thanks a lot for saying that, Dan. This is still a head-scratcher to me. I, I, I've heard a lot of different people from inside the studio, from inside the production, give some explanations, and I am still actually kind of baffled by it. This is a movie that you knew you were going to do part two almost regardless. Like, it almost didn't matter what happened to part one. You knew you were going to do part two. They should have shot this. I, I don't always believe this is the case, but this is one of those situations where they should have shot Dune 1 and Dune 2 back to back. They should have shot it all at the same time. Like, we shouldn't be looking at a 2024 release date for Dune 2. We, sh we should be talking about Dune 2 coming out this Christmas. We should be talking about it coming out in a few months. So I know that's not the story. I just wanted to get that off my chest. So I'm still kind of a little bit butthurt that we're not getting it sooner than we are. That being said, they have moved the release date. But let's not get too excited about it being earlier. Because it is only just a couple of weeks earlier. And there's actually a reason why. This comes to us from the folks over at The Hollywood Reporter who wrote the following. Hours after Disney pushed back the release date of Marvel Studios' movie Blade, Warner Brothers revealed it will now open Denis Villeneuve's Dune Part 2 uh, on Blade's old date of November 3rd, 2023, instead of November 17th, 2023. Uh, the sequel tackles the second half of Frank Herbert's seminal 1965 novel Dune with Paul Atreides, played by uh, Timothy Chalamet, teaming up with Fremen to free the desert planet of Arrakis from House Harkonnen. Now, I, they, in the movie, they call it Harkonnen. I always pronounce it Harkonnen, but whatever. So, and by the way, I said it's coming out in 2024. It's coming out in 2023. So, while I would love to get excited about them moving up the release date of Doom, because the first one I thought was fantastic. I, I think it won the most Oscars at the Academy Awards this year, taking home six Oscars. It's bloody fantastic. Can't wait for it to come out. And, and I am happy we're getting it earlier than we were. However, it is only two weeks, and it was because of a logistical reason. Wonder Brothers sat there like, like a vulture circling a carcass and saw that Blade died on its release date. And they're like swooped in. It's like, hey, you're not on that November 3rd date now? We'd love to have that date. And they just swept, swept in and took it. So again, anything that moves this movie closer is good by me. I just wish it was coming out in the next few months rather than over a year from now. Anyway, Chris, you hear about this date change. What do you think about it? I mean, the pacing of this production seems to be on par with the pacing of the film itself. Mm -hmm. It's it's slow. <laughs> it's slow moving um, until that final act. And then you're like, oh, hey, stuff. I never understood why they didn't do these in conjunction as well. That's always bothered me. Um, it's a smart marketing move. It's a very, very smart marketing move. Um, I think it's a, a good thing to do. I think Disney is going to be doing some scrambling as well with their lineup to try to see what they can put in and around that time to make up their loss. Uh, all I know is now I have a, uh, a movie to watch with Logan for his birthday next year. Woo. <laughs> Aaron, you hear about this. What do you think? I think it's brilliant because... If you look at the calendar, the 17th is the Friday before Thanksgiving. And at least in America, and I understand that not everyone in the world celebrates American Thanksgiving, obviously. However, the U.S. is a huge market for 
you know, these films and you and they they are really targeting a lot of American markets for making a lot making the bulk of their money when it comes to that opening weekend box office. And so if you have a movie that comes out on November 3rd, moving it two weeks earlier is going to get that word of mouth. It's going to get that buzz before you roll into the holidays. And then you have two weeks of people going, oh, my God, Dune 2 is just as good as the first one. Oh, my God, Dune 2 is better than the first one. Dune 2 is amazing. I love all the new locations. They're shooting in Italy this time. Um, I'm sure it doesn't look like Italy, but it's Italy anyway. Um, and so by the time you get around to the Thanksgiving holiday, everyone after everyone has gone and gotten drunk with all their friends from high school, they can say, hey, I've heard great things about Dune. Not it just opened five seconds ago, but people have been talking about it for the past two weeks. Or I saw it when it opened and I loved it so much. I really think that my family would love to see it. So I'm going to bring them and get them to go see it, too when I can vouch for it. So I think that opening two weeks earlier is actually a really good sign that they believe they have something big on their hands. Now, unlike Lord of the Rings, which on Monday I was saying, yeah, they should have shot it in conjunction and da da da. And I do understand. I, I had some people write me and say, well, they switched it from New Zealand to the UK. Right, that was always planned. Right. Um, in this case, I feel like Denis Villeneuve is an artiste. And so I feel like he's the kind of director that probably was like, I will not do that. I will not. Do I don't know what his accent is, but <laughs> no, he, great he Italian accent. It. He wanted to do it. Oh, he did. He, he pitched it to Warner Brothers. Oh, wow. Well, then I then then that makes no sense to me. The only thing that I could think of was that Denny Villeneuve as an artiste just did not want to feel rushed or feel overwhelmed and wanted to focus on his one bebe before having his second bebe. But that doesn't make any sense, the fact that Warner Brothers would not want to do that because they're shooting in so many of the same locations. Italy is the only new location. They're still filming in Budapest. They're still filming in Jordan. They're still filming in Norway. So it doesn't make any financial sense. Um, but I don't know. Maybe that's why they're bringing Alan Horn in. So that guy can right. say, hey, we're going to start making some sense out of these dollars and these dollars and numbers. One thing is for sure, though, I am I am dying to see this. And of course, they should have all the confidence in the world. And the last one won six Oscars. So I, I cannot wait for this movie. So sure. Anything that brings it even just a little bit closer, I'm happy about questions for you guys. What do you think about this release date move for Dune 2? Do you think they should have shot it back to back? Maybe you didn't even like the first one. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number three. Aaron, what is our third main topic today? This comes to us from King Tannic, a.k.a. Israel. Yes, finally, according to Stephen Capel Jr.'s Instagram, Pete Davidson and Michelle Yao have been cast in Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Davidson will voice the Autobot Mirage and Yao will voice the Maximal Erezor. Erezor. Air Razor. I know for a lot of people, the Transformers franchise has been hit or miss, but I think that this is an amazing announcement. What do you think of the news? And does this up your excitement for the film? Thanks. All right. Thanks for saying that. Contentic. Now, look, I, I'm a Transformers kid. I, I, I grew up. They, that was my toy. Wasn't was that your wallpaper? No, see, it wasn't my wallpaper. It was better than that. Okay, here we go. So this is. A, I knew there was a story. For those I knew. No, this is what it was. It was not wallpaper. It was wallpaper. So the the original Transformers boxes. So they were a, a flat piece of cardboard, right? With a part that came out like this, where the toy was actually in, and you had a, a, a an illustration of the Autobot or the Decepticon there, and then clear plastic so you could see the toy. And on the back of the box, you had a description of the character plus a power meter. 
going like, you know, zero to 10, like how was their leadership? How was their speed? How was their firepower? How was their strength, right? The power bar. So what I did, because I was cool. Very cool. Was I would cut out the front illustration and then cut out the description in the power bar at the back. And then I would put that up on my bedroom. I would tape it up on my bedroom wall. Mm, like so, wallpaper. Yeah. So, well, well, it wasn't wallpaper. It was just more like a, a, a collage of individual pictures, right? Mm -hmm. So I put them all up. So my walls were filled with transformers from Bumblebee, Jazz, Prowl, Sunstreaker, you know, all over the place. Everybody, right? Now, it might surprise you to know that I didn't have a lot of girls in my room at that time. No. Yeah. Shocking. But- uh, that is what I did. I am a Transformers. That, that's a great example of it. I am when do we get to the part where you kid. were cool? <laughs> that, oh, sorry. Did we hit that it's already? It's okay. that it was cool. That, everything about what I just told you was the embodiment of cool. Super cool. Anyway, so I, I am a big Transformer because I loved, I don't care what anybody says, I loved the first Michael Bay Transformers movie. I loved it's it. It's so fun. Mm -hmm. I hated all the other Everything's made out of balsa wood and sparklers. <laughs> everything explodes. I loved it. I hated all the other ones until Bumblebee. Mm. And then I, I, I loved Bumblebee. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not a Beast Wars guy. Uh, I'm not a Maximals guy. I'm, I'm not. That's not my Transformers. So I haven't. I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't been excited about this new one, but I'm definitely intrigued and interested. Now, my favorite movie of the year so far is Everything Everywhere at All at Once with the immortal yeah, Michelle yeah. Yeoh. One of my other favorite movies in the last couple of years is Shang-Chi, also starring Michelle Yeoh. I mean, this is a Michelle Yeoh era we live in. Love her. Pete Davidson? I've never cared about Pete Davidson, but in the last year or so, I've seen some of his stand-up, and he also is a recurring character on a show I watch called The Rookie and whatever. And I've actually come to find him pretty funny, all that kind of stuff. So, put those two in Transformers? I don't care! Because they're not actually in it. They're doing, <laughs> they're doing a couple of voices. And quite frankly, that means they're in it. as much as I love Michelle Yeoh and as much as I actually kind of like Pete Davidson, these should be professional voice actors doing these roles. It, it's it. Honestly, it really, really should. Now, if you put Michelle Yeoh in this movie, well, now you got my attention. But if it's to voice one of the characters, then uh, then honestly, and I know I sound like a broken record saying it, but. There are professional voice actors who do nothing but commit themselves all the time to just perfecting the art of voice acting. And I, quite frankly, think you would end up with a better product if you got them. All due respect to Michelle Yeoh, who you know I love. But, yeah, I, I so, yeah, I read this. I, I honestly, it doesn't make me that excited, despite the fact that I like these two individuals. Anyway, Chris, uh, I heard a rumor. You're actually a voice acting instructor. I am. That <laughs> rumor know. is true. What do you think about this? So I'm not going to lie. I first saw a picture of Pete and Michelle pop up on my Instagram from The Hollywood Reporter, and I screamed and went, oh, my God, is he dating her? <laughs> <laughs> and I not panicked. Not a bad assumption. I, I understand. That, that, is, would that would crack. not it would out of the question. I, I just, my heart rose into my throat, and I was like, no. Um, <laughs> So there was that. I'm I'm with you on the casting in general of bringing in these voice actors, right? If you want to see a voice actor really rally too right now about this movement of like putting in A-list name actors in place of voice actors, go on Twitter, see what Tara Strong's been writing. Tara Strong was Miss Minutes. That's why that character was so oh, damn right. good. It was because you had a VO pro in there. Um, 
In general, though, too, I'm a little confused about Pete's casting, and I, I'm sure he'll do a great job ultimately. You know, the director will really work with them. You're more of a Transformers person than yeah. me. Mirage is kind of like an East Egg equivalent. Does not equate yeah, with me. He, Does not like, equate with he's me. He's like a, a Decepticon sympathizer who's of like high society back on their home planet. I don't understand. It also can do like actual illusions and things like that too, which is going to be interesting, like turn invisible. I, I don't understand the casting on that just because that's not an aspect of Pete Davidson I've seen of being that kind of new money, highfalutin, snoot in the air kind of character. But maybe he can bring that, you know, he could contain multitudes. Who's to say? Um, but ultimately, you know, I'm I'm more in into the Transformers to see things explode. So I'm really not expecting much here. Yeah, look, look it, yeah, Pete did when I think of Mirage in the original G1 cartoons that I used to watch, Pete Davidson voice does not equate with me. I but that's okay. That's okay because this is gonna be a new iteration of For Mirage. Sure. Yeah. They're gonna do their own thing. And listen, if the director of Creed 2 thinks that with what he has in mind for Mirage, that Pete Davidson's voice is a good match for that, I'm okay with that too. Yeah. I just cannot help but think that there would be voice actors who would bring that even better to it uh, otherwise. But but I'm okay with the changes to Mirage because, you know, hey, let's see what a director wants to do. Anyway, Aaron, uh, you heard about this, dating relationships aside, mm -hmm. what do you think about the news? Yeah, you know, I... Um, Pete Davidson is certainly someone he has a lot of films coming out uh, They're like it seems like they're filming simultaneously. I'm sure that they're, you know, almost back to back. And I'm happy to see that because I feel like Pete Davidson was starting to get a lot more attention for his, uh, you know, high profile girlfriends than he was for his comedic ability. And I, I've always really enjoyed the stuff that he did on SNL, especially when he would be self-deprecating on um, uh, Weekend Update. Weekend Update. Yeah. You know, that was some of my favorite. And he and his stand up is really funny. Uh but that being said, I have not been as impressed. Like I even like in the dirt, I didn't find him to be very intriguing or his performance to be terribly compelling. So I am excited to see what he can bring besides just himself, which is a challenge for a lot of stand up comedians. You know, if they're not playing a version of themselves, it is very hard for them to play and to be an actor versus being a comedian. And so in the tone, in the, the tone of staying in your lane, I will say this. I am an actress. I work a lot in front of the camera. I have a voiceover agent. I've had a voiceover agent for a long time. And let me tell you how many voiceover jobs I've done. None. Why? Because I am very, I'm not very good at it. My friend Chris Carr over here, she does them all the time. It is a very different set of skills. Just because you can be an actor in front of the camera, that does not always translate. In fact, a lot of times it doesn't translate at all to being able to act without using any of your physical self, which as an on-camera actor, you're taught from the very beginning at drama school, like now you're going to be fire. Now you're going to be earth. I mean, it, like you ha you're going to be a cat now. You have to do Reason all this. 17, I never went to drama school. Exactly. <laughs> so that's the thing is you are supposed to be in tune with your physical instrument as an on-camera actor, whereas as a voice actor, it, your whole instrument is just your voice. And that is a very difficult talent. I don't necessarily always think that just because you're good in front of the camera that you can be a good voiceover actor. And this trend that we're seeing of just getting stars, all it does really is inflate the budget of a project. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And which means that money that would be in something else gets thrown into a celebrity's lap. And it 
has this false idea that because of a certain celebrity that that's going to be the reason why someone goes and sees a movie. Yes, Shrek had Eddie Murphy and Cameron Diaz and Michael Myers. Sorry, Mike Myers, <laughs> not Michael Myers. They are also alive. Um, however, I think that Shrek, because it was such a good film, would have been just as successful if you had three relatively unknown but incredibly talented voice actors. So I'm with you. I don't necessarily think that we need someone like Michelle Yao or Pete Davidson for this film to be successful. And I wish that they would be giving that job to someone who is a professional voice actor and let Michelle Michelle Yao and Pete Davidson go back to in front of the camera where we can see them and really appreciate them. I have a quick question for you, Chris. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, because not maybe not uh, Shrek, maybe not the main voice, mm -hmm. but what would say uh, a voice performer like this, how much time would they spend at the uh, at the studio doing say a secondary character or something like that for, for a movie how much how, how long You're do you think they're going to be in there for two sessions so like a so, couple of days yeah that's it really um because a, a lot of voice actors too it's time is money right and so you want to get in and out and you also don't want to disturb your instrument so you don't want to be in the booth for more than six hours that's bananas if someone tries to book you that long usually anyway that's usually the most i do um and it takes a lot more of a rev up to get your typical like on camera actor to really be able to push and do what they need to. Who there's you a, need for months. Yeah. And and there's a thing called there's a thing called plussing basically in voiceover, right? Where all of your nonverbal and reactionary things, you have to body them in a way where I'm making a vocalization of an eye roll, of my shoulder slumped, of things like that that you take for granted because 70% of the way that we communicate really is about our body language. Only about 7% of what we're actually saying is how people perceive communication. So in voiceover, you have to be able to communicate all of that through tone and through all these other secondary noises that you're doing. And a voiceover pro is going to be able to deliver that in a much faster way mm -hmm. where you can go, hey, I want three wild of this line. Okay, let me do that in three wildly different ways for you. And we move forward. All right, guys, question is for you. What are your thoughts on this? Are you looking forward to the new Transformers movie? I admit my enthusiasm is tempered for it, but I certainly hope it's great. What do you think about the new additions to the voice cast? Maybe you think it's fantastic because I do love these two, but I don't really need for them to be the voices of these characters. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys, with that down, we're going to take a break here and thank another sponsor of today's show, our friends over at Manscaped. We want to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's video, Manscaped. Now, guys, you know I love Manscaped. You've heard me go on and on about the Lawnmower 4.0 and mm, that body wash. I love it so much. And so we got to ask, guys, have you started your spring cleaning yet? The carpets need cleaning, the drapes need dusting, and your lawn needs mowing, gentlemen. And you guys know Manscaped isn't more than just one product. They have a whole lineup of products to help you guys feeling, smelling, and looking your best. And so Manscaped is proud to present to you the Performance Package 4.0, which is the only tool that you need to keep your boys looking, smelling, and feeling good this spring. Now, to start off with, you get the Lawnmower 4.0. Guys, we have talked about this. What is wrong with us? Why have we for so long been using these terrible tools that were never meant for cutting our hair down there? The razor clipper things on our electric razors. That's barbaric, guys. You need the Lawnmower 4.0. And then there's the Weed Whacker. You guys have heard our own Ray Aura talk about this thing. He loves using it to get that hair in your nose and the ear hair. And then they offer lots of other stuff like the Crop Preserver. It's an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer.
Moisturizer, the Crop Reviver, it's a spray-on toner for your balls. And of course, they've got the perfect grooming tool for your face with the Plow 2.0, the perfect razor for the finest shave on that face. So guys, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code CAMPIA, that's C-A-M-P-E-A at manscaped.com. That's 20% off in free shipping with the promo code Campia at manscaped.com. It's time to throw out your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life. And thank you to our friends at Manscaped for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move into main topic number four. Aaron, what is our fourth main topic today? Well, aside from John being embarrassed to talk about his silky smooth balls in front of my mom, <laughs> this comes to us from Dark Helmet. Good morning, everyone. I'll say it. Andor is better than Mandalorian. Just saw episode six and I'm still catching my breath. That absolutely felt like a totally satisfying season finale. But then I remembered that we still have half the season to go. I felt the tension every step of the heist with everything going right and the things that went wrong. All right, Dark Helmet. Thanks. By the way, great reference there, Spaceballs. Thank you <laughs> so much for sending that in. Um, yeah, listen, I have been... I, I, I have, Next week, I finally get to see a new episode of, Man of, uh, of Andor because I've seen episodes five and six a while ago. And I told you guys the heist thing is coming. The heist thing is coming. This episode, it, first of all, this show just continues to get better and better and better. I still think House of the Dragon is the best show that's currently airing. But Andor, to me, is a close second. And what, the way everything built up and then comes to its climax in this thing with the, the whole plan, the heist, and then even the things that happen after the heist. And we're not going to go into big spoilers right now. We'll save the spoilers discussion for a little bit later. But as the plan, we start to see the plan being unfolded. Is that Joey Bishop dreaming? She's having a little puppy dream. Yeah. Puppy dream. She's, like, <laughs> She's um, chasing something. She's you guys know I'm a huge sucker for heist films. Like a major, major sucker. So when the plan starts to unfold and you see it coming in, like I'm just absolutely riveted. The characters and everything we've known about them and their depth all come to fruition with everything that's playing out in the heist. All that kind of stuff. Visually, the episode is absolutely gorgeous um andor as a character becomes more and more impressive just as an individual character because you know in the first couple of episodes as much as i liked it it's like is this a character that can carry a series mm. and as you get further and further along particularly culminating here in episode six you're like yeah you can revolve an entire show around this character and you really feel like and again without giving away any spoilers the way this episode ends it feels like a pivotal moment in the story of Star Wars. It feels like the, the what happens here is the moment that the flare went off into the air. Like that, this was the moment, right? And you just get that sense. And I just, I love the way they brought it all together. I love the way it concluded. The heist was fantastic. The visuals are gorgeous. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time I watched this thing. It was just absolutely phenomenal and brilliant and again for somebody like me who's a star wars fan and then coming off of two back-to-back -back disappointing star wars shows and i understand a lot of you guys liked book of boba fett and obi-wan and that's awesome i'm not trying to yuck on your yum i'm just saying for me those two shows were a disappointment didn't hate them but they were a disappointment to come off though that disappointment into something like andor which has been so next level and like i say all the time more hbo than disney plus I have adored it. I love this episode. 
And I have no idea where the rest of the series is going. I have not seen episode seven through 12. So I'm very, very excited to finally see a new episode. But anyway, Chris, you saw the new episode of Andor. Mm -hmm. What were your thoughts? For those of you who think the show has been moving too slow, <laughs> this episode is I, and that I will never understand. I mean, I, I respect mm -hmm. if somebody feels that way. Yeah. I'm saying I just don't understand it. Well, I, I think that's that's key to a big heist kind of show, right? For espionage kinds of shows. You have to lay the groundwork so the plan makes sense to you as the viewer. And build and, tension. Yeah, and, and build, build tension. Yeah. And I think uh, Rob said this really, really well the other day. This really, really just gives the audience the respect it deserves to have like, hey, we know you're intelligent and we want to walk you through this and have you be part of what's going on in this show. We want you to know about all the intrigue. We want you to know what's going on. And we're going to have you along for the ride. I think this is so well done. These freaking rebels, these freaking <laughs> rebels, man and their manifestos and everything. I love them. I love them so much. And I think this is just such a, a beautifully done episode too. The juxtaposition between certain different groups in this episode is so fun. Um, the big visual at the end is just so stunning. Oh, it's so good. It's a great episode. And you know, when we met in, in the previous episodes, the, the Imperial Lieutenant, and you know, we talked about in one of the other episodes when she tells um, Andor his story about the woman he fell in love with, the wife, the wife he lost. Mm -hmm. And every moment he's with the other Imperials, you just feel oh, his vitriol and his hatred and all that kind of stuff. And the way that comes out and the manifest is oh, like, And ah! they do such a good job too of making you hate that commander. Oh yeah. With just the littlest little microaggressions against his own family where you're like, mm, you piece mm -hmm. of shit. Yeah. It's oh, mwah, well done. Anyway, Aaron, you had a chance to watch this episode of Andor. What did you think? That was actually, you took the words right out of my mouth because one of the things that I loved about the very first episode that I spoke about was how the writing in such a small little way can tell you everything you need to know about that character, whether it was, um, you know, the, the guy in the first episode who had added pinstriping and just did a little tuck yeah. to his uniform. And now it's, you know, this guy saying he, my son Let's is not go too into it. Yeah, too, yeah. too many details. But, but basically, you know, the microaggressions yeah. and just the way that he speaks to his wife and his child, you see all you need to see of who this person is. And that's really difficult to do when you're, I mean, with, with, with the rebels, there's a, a, a lot of them. I mean, not a lot, but more than three is yeah. a lot when you're trying to tell a story about each individual. And each individual person has their own motivation for why they're a part of this rebellion, their own motivation for why they're willing to risk their lives. And every episode, we get just a little bit more from each one of them to see what's their driving force, what's their challenge. The ones who are very strong initially and then have like reservations, the ones that have reservations going in, but in that moment, they're ready to go, you know, and how those things change. And, you know, I know a lot about heist movies because every single day for the past week, Tom has been watching Ocean's Eleven in the background over and over. And I love that movie. It's a great movie. Would you like to watch it every day? Um, <laughs> but that's the thing. In any good heist movie, you've got to have that build up because you're it's it's like you're building a house. You got to take the time to build a good foundation, to build, you know, solid walls, and then you can just decorate and put up all the drapes you want. And I feel like we're getting to that point where the foundation has been built. We understand what there's what we're standing on, and it's 
pretty darn solid. So then to be able to see the eye and all the beauty and and the the cinematography of this episode giving us that visual feast, um, they've really laid the groundwork in this character development, and I'm I'm just really impressed. And good for Disney Plus for writing their wrong and getting this train back on tracks because it was I was getting sort of need a little concerned like hey man we had a good start with Mandalorian where are we going here so I feel a lot more optimistic moving forward if Andor is going to be the track that we're going to be riding on I think it was uh, IndieWire that made this comment and I agree with this Andor is Star Wars for grown-ups not that not that all grown-ups will like it's not going to be for all grown-ups like if you're if, just, if you're somebody who doesn't like candor that doesn't mean you're not a grown-up it just but it, that's what it feels like it feels like this is the star wars for grown-ups and i just god i love this show so much and it just keeps getting better anyway guys question is for you what did you think about the newest episode of andor and don't forget a little bit later today this afternoon you know i'll just call nalbor right now 3 30 los angeles time we will be doing our andor open spoiler after show hope you guys will come back and that gives you a few more hours to make sure you guys can get caught up and watch the episode come on back and join us for that okay guys with that all down let's move into our fifth and final main topic today aaron what is our fifth main topic today this quest comes to us from val who says why can't we have nice things? I just saw that Marvel has pushed back a bunch of movies like Deadpool 3 after they just announced the movie, Blade, Fantastic Four, and a couple of others. My question is, in Chris Carr's words, for why? It was really just a few weeks ago that Marvel gave us their schedule. Why change it so massively all of a sudden? Is this another symptom of Marvel being stretched too thin? Should we expect more delays in the future? Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in Val. And yeah, what this was breaking news that came out in the uh, final moments of the John Campus show yesterday that news came out that Marvel was having to do a big, big shift with the release dates of a lot of their films. By a lot, I just mean more than one or two. And what caused all this? Well, we know what caused it. It was the situation going on with Blade. Now, you ask Val, is this a, a symptom of them being stretched too thin? It's not. It's actually a symptom of another inherent problem with the MCU, which is the interconnectedness of it all. Because the problem with the MCU and having everything so interconnected is if one domino falls, a bunch of dominoes fall. And they just had to bump Blade over a year. Like we, we talked on the show yesterday about how Blade was now, they're stopping all production on it. They're stopping pre-production. They got to get their script right. And then they got to get a new director. But for now, all work on the film is stopped. So they were never going to make their 2023 release date. That was never going to happen. And of course, one of the inherent problems with the MCU is that if one of those projects gets moved, because of the interconnectedness so much, it's going to make other problems happen. And so what happened? The dominoes started to fall. So here are the films that got moved, okay? So Blade was going to be on November 3rd, 2023, and is now coming out September 6th, 2024. Allegedly. Allegedly, if they can get their uh, their ship in order here. Poop in a group. Also, now this started a chain reaction because Deadpool, which was going to come out on that Blade date of, of, of uh, September 6th, well, it needed to move to make way for Blade. So it then moved to November 8th of 2024. Just a couple of months. I mean, it's like 60 days that it moved. No big deal. So it had to move off of its date to make room for Blade. Well, that meant Fantastic Four that was going to be on November 8th. It had to move to make way for Deadpool 3. So Fantastic Four went from November 8th, 2024 to February 14th, 2025. Get 
Not a massive move. It's just a couple of months. So it's not a huge move, but still that had to move. And then the one that wasn't really connected to the other ones, but probably more of a direct connection to Blade, how we don't know yet, but Avengers Secret Wars, which was going to come out on November 7th of 2025, is now coming out on May 5th of 2026. Not a, well, that's probably the most significant move that we've seen that. Now you're right. When you talk about, they just announced the dates, but that's what happens when one of the Jenga pieces comes out. The whole freaking thing can come falling down. And with just Blade needing to have that big of a mood, it triggered a, as they would say in Death Star Destruction terminology, a chain reaction. And we had a whole bunch of things that had to move. So again, Blade is now September 6, 2024. Deadpool 3 is now November 8, 2024. Fantastic Four is now for February 14, 2025. And Avengers Secret Wars is now May 5th, 2026. So let's take a step back now. And with these moves, let's take a look at the MCU as a whole and what their release calendar and schedule looks like as a whole. So let's step into the Campia classroom here for a second and take a look at this. So we have our current MCU release dates and we've got Marvel Studios MCU schedule for phase five. And we'll just wait for Jonathan to be able to get that up on screen here. So we are starting with, and now remember, start with the phrase, we don't need to talk about Black Panther. That's coming up here shortly or, or uh, Christmas special, whatever. So here we go. Marvel Studios phase five. So that leaves us with what if that's supposed to be sometime earlier, early in 2023. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania or Ant-Man 3 is coming out February 17th, 2023. So after Black Panther, that's the next big one coming out in theaters. So that's coming pretty soon. Secret Invasion is coming, so we don't have an exact date, but spring of 2023 on Disney+. Plus. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, keep forgetting that movie is actually not that far away. Mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is actually pretty soon coming out on May 5th of 2023. Uh, thankfully, that didn't get budged. Echo Season 1, which I really don't care about much, but hopefully I grow to care about it, is expecting sometime in mid-2023. The Marvels in July 28th of 2023. Next up will be sometime in there, Loki Season 2 and a summer 2023 release date. Then, of course, X-Men 97, the animated series. Ironheart series is come out is supposed to come out in late 2023. The Agatha series is supposed to come out in late 2023. Daredevil Born Again is supposed to come out in early of 2024. Captain America New World Order is still slated for May 3rd, 2024, followed by the Thunderbolts movie, which I am now suddenly pretty interested in with the cast announcements, coming out July 26th of 2024. Spider-Man Freshman Year, the animated series, is supposed to come out in 2024. The Blade movie, allegedly. Uh, <laughs> September 6th now, 2024. Marvel Zombies um, in, is expected sometime in 2024. That's going to be an animated series. And Deadpool 3 now has been bumped to November 8th of 2024. Then we move into Phase 6, and this is where things get pretty interesting. We got Fantastic Four. Now has been moved to February 14th of 2025. Happy Valentine's Day. Then we got Avengers, the Kang Dynasty, coming out on May 2nd of 2025. And this is where things are really intriguing. Three straight, as of yet, untitled projects. So we got a Marvel movie coming out in July 25th of 2025, a Marvel movie coming out on November 7th of 2025, 
and a Marvel movie coming out on February 13th of 2026. So could those be a Spider-Man movie? Could those be a Wolverine movie? Could those be something like that? Don't know. That's going to be a, the, the topic of a lot of speculation coming up. Then now we've got Avengers Secret Wars on May 1st of 2026. That's been moved, followed by two more as, as of yet untitled projects that have reserved the release dates of July 24th, 2026 and November 6th, 2026. These are, of course, now years away getting into that. So, yeah, that gives us a sense of the overall schedule that we've got right now for the MCU after this big whole bumper car shuffle of a bunch of things. And heaven help us if another movie gets delayed or has a problem, because that could really F this whole thing up. Anyway, Aaron, this is a big, impressive schedule in front of us. We just had a whole bunch of things move as a result of one movie getting delayed. What's your take on all the moving around? You know, when we talked about Blade getting pushed a couple weeks ago, you know, I don't think that any of us really took into context. You know, we said, oh, this is going to change the schedule. But when you look at it in the context of this entire thing, it is unfathomable to me how this was allowed to happen. Right. Because when you see that you are, I mean, just with Fantastic Four and Avengers Secret War being moved from a November slot to a early, an early spring slot, you are absolutely destroying all of that money-making potential for the holiday season, which these movies are primed for holiday releases because you have people who are sitting ducks looking for entertainment. But if you release them in February, you've got kids in school, you've got, you know, people not wanting to spend, not, not, not having the discretionary cash that they might have pre-holiday. You've got people that are just kind of like going through, just trying to get through the rest of winter and heading into spring. These are not movies that are moving from the beginning of the holiday season to the beginning of the summer blockbuster season. They're just moving into the spring. And I know that there are that this you know February and March can be successful times for opening, but I'm just looking at that going, wow, that just left a lot of money on the table. And so I just don't understand how knowing what was all going to, knowing the domino effect that was going to happen, how whoever, and I'm not going to pin this on Kevin Feige, because clearly the fact that, I mean, the man must be sleeping in a hyperbaric chamber and just like getting lemon water infused. It's adorable in, you think he's sleeping at all. The, yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> I don't even I would not be surprised if he's cloned himself at this point and we just don't know it because I don't understand how anybody. So I'm not going to I'm not going to pin this on Kevin Feige. At the end of the day, when you're in charge, the buck does stop with you. However, there are a lot of people that let this happen that where a script for Bla for black for blade, excuse me was just not ready. And I just don't understand how that happens. I would love for someone to explain that to me. Now, when we had a big shift previously with, um, um, the magician guy, Dr. Strange, Dr. Strange, also when, known as the magician guy, also known as the magician guy. Yep. <laughs> when that got pushed and that set off a chain reaction back in 2021, we had this little virus thing that was going on. Yes. There was a pretty good excuse. Everybody could get on board, but just not having a script that's worth shooting. I just don't understand when there's an, an unlimited amount of money and access to the best talent the world has to offer, how something as simple as 
the script isn't that good can derail the entire chain of events for like 20 something blockbusters well, and had three years exactly had it just I, I don't understand who is re- who is responsible what group of people are responsible for such a massive colossal dare i say fuck up that could just completely catapult the timeline for every other season and we're just assuming that all of the major stars that are on these things that nothing will happen to them like yeah they're under contract but really bad things contracts sometimes. have scheduling outs Scon- contracts have scheduling outs and also sometimes really bad stuff happens and you know what sometimes actors are just not available anymore and so i just don't I, I, like we're just assuming that all of these people involved are going to still be it's just the whole thing makes no sense of how this was allowed to happen and i say whoever is supposed to be writing the script for blade now uh get to type in honey well yeah and listen the, the problem with kevin feige and this has always been his biggest problem is that there's just one of them that, that's the, ultimately that's the biggest problem with Kevin Feige is that there's just one of him. And as let's bring up that let's bring up the campy classroom there again for a second. Look at this list. Yeah. Intense. Look at that list. It's like a list of credits. At the I, end yeah, of the movie. Exactly. But these are I, movies. <laughs> I told the story when, when I, I got together with Kevin Feige when I was doing the Age of Ultron thing and he got out of his golf cart and he was like he, he was like being pulled in 15 different directions. He had three movies coming out. Three. And it's like, and that's for one person, I, I, again, I just think this is a situation where it does not matter how godlike mode Kevin Feige can get into. This is way too much. And we're seeing him stretched way too thin. It's just, there's it's more than one person can do. And one of the things, the magic ingredient of the MCU has been Kevin Feige's direct hand on everything like really being the guiding force between everything they've done. Of course, a lot of credit goes to the directors that he chooses, but those directors work very closely with Kevin Feige. And this project clearly slipped through the cracks and people weren't paying enough attention. And as this thing was falling apart and they were not coming together, these are moves like losing the director and realizing we got to start this script from scratch are things that should have happened a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Anyway, Chris, we looked at this incredible list of schedules. Yeah. We look at all these things moving around. What stands out to you the most? I mean, I agree with my beautiful esteemed colleague here. Of this is just like a what the fuck happened, you guys? And it feels like it's just very more is way too much. I don't want more is more. I want quality films here. And I think most people do. And I think maybe we need to try off some things or you know have a, a a less intense roster of what's coming here i say that as a diehard marvel fan i'm so excited about all these projects i'm so excited about all the animated things that are tied in here but this is a lot and one kink in the chain ruins everything and some of you little farts when i was like this is going to screw up everything for the, the next phases and all the scheduling we're like why would it mess it up chris this is why <laughs> this is why it's sometimes like i know what i'm talking about she knows her stuff Bananas. guys I, I again you know what that's the other thing too is You've got to understand when you have a schedule like this, that you are not just for all the different people working on these things, you're not just responsible for your individual project because you mess up. It's going to F up things for other people working on their projects. And that's just, again, one of the drawbacks of having such an interconnected series of projects and films and stories that you're trying to tell. It, It means one thing gets bumped. It's going to affect everybody else. So, Hey, listen, at the same time, Let's bring up that list again, Jonathan. At the same time that uh, we're all here lamenting, the like, classroom? how can this happen? What's that? You want the classroom? The, yes, please. Okay. At the same time that we're all like, oh, how could this go wrong and that go wrong and this, all oh, this is going to go wrong. 
at the same time, oh my God, Captain America, New World Order. Oh my God, Daredevil Born Again. Oh my God, the Agatha series. Coming oh my God, chaos. Deadpool 3. Oh my God, Avengers Kang. I mean, like, so it, let, let's also keep in mind that we're sitting here complaining about why well, like, this is a big problem. And it is a big problem. But at the same time, let's not lose sight that there's some really fantastic stuff coming that we are still very excited about. I'm not I'm not saying that there's I don't think that there's necessarily too much. I just want to see who like I want to see the chain. Well, of I'll command. tell you there's too much. I believe there's too much. I just want to see the chain. Of, like we have Kevin Feige up here. But who are these people? Because I feel like it's these people that are the problem. You know, these oh, people. people are no, I, you know, now. you go like this. I. I Nobody, nobody has to wonder what I'm about to say. If it's like this and Kevin Feige's up here, the problem isn't down here. The problem's up here. And his name is Bob Chapek. <gasps> oh, so, uh, shots fired. Girl. The problem's Bob Chapek. So anyway, <laughs> that being said, I won't, I won't bore you with a half hour diatribe about why exactly it's Bob Chapek. But at any rate, uh, question is for you guys. What do you think about this whole thing? We got a big shuffle. Now, look, a, a number of these shuffles really didn't move by a lot. Some of them, like I said, 60 days. Some of them maybe three months. Some more significant and all that kind of stuff. What do you think about the overall schedule we've got coming from Marvels? There's some pretty cool stuff in there if they're able to hold on to those dates. Question is for you guys. What do you think about all that? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with the main topics down and out of the way, we are now going to open up the Super Chat. So if you guys have a thought, theory, opinion, go ahead and fire that in now. We only leave it open for just a couple of minutes, so get that in quick. Now, before we get to those live questions, we're going to take a second and thank the major sponsor of our show here, our friends at Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to take a second to thank the sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month. And now for the plot twist. I'm just kidding. There isn't one. Mint Mobile just has premium wireless from 15 bucks a month. There's no trapping you into a two-year contract or opening the bill to find all these crazy fees. There's no luring you in with free subscriptions to streaming services that you'll forget to cancel and be charged full price for. With my old wireless provider, every month when I opened the bill, it was like playing roulette. I never knew how big the bill was going to be and it always seemed to get bigger. With Mint Mobile, it's totally different. I know exactly how little I'm paying every month and there's never any surprises. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or a family. And at Mint Mobile, families start at just two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And guys, you get to use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. So transferring over couldn't be easier. So to get premium wireless from just 15 bucks a month and no unexpected plot twists, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. You'll make your wallet very happy at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for giving me such great cell phone service and being a sponsor of the John Campia Show. Okay, guys, with that down, we're not going to move over and start taking your super chats that you guys have sent in. So, uh, Aaron, what do we got? So first, Bad American Kid sends in a $10 super chat. Thank you so much. Try being good. If you change the name <laughs> of your show to Must Watch, does the John Campia Show Theater now become the Must Watch Theater? <laughs> Better yet, if you change it to Press Play, does it become the PP Theater? I told you guys, if we, if we go ahead and move this, with this name change to Press Play, play i am always going to call it welcome to pp i'm totally <laughs> going to do it i'm going to do it all the time but actually you know that's a good idea if we did change the name of the network to must watch which is one of the names we, we were considering 
then yeah, my John Campia Theater at home could become the must-watch theater. That's a pretty cool name. I like that. All right, what's next? This is from Maybe, just Maybe. It says, maybe this is just me, but I don't think Zack Snyder deserves the praise he gets. He is a pretty good director, but he's not bully the internet good. Um, well, Tell wait. that to the bullies on the internet. Yeah, well, well, yeah, but time out for a second. Zack Snyder also has a lot of detractors, so it's not like he's universally beloved and all that kind of stuff. Listen, I think Zack Snyder is a very distinct director. Like he made to me one of my favorite films. He he made Man of Steel. I will always be in his debt for Man of Steel. Like what he did on that movie was absolutely brilliant. He's also an incredibly gifted visual storyteller. Now, does he have a lot of films that are like super amazing? Maybe not. Maybe not all on the level of uh, Man of Steel. Does he have a couple of disappointing ones? Sure. But you, by the way, he also can really direct animation because he did this movie that nobody has seen called The Rise of the Guardians, The Owls of Ga'ul. And nobody talks about that movie. I think it's a really good little animated film. The action is wonderful. The quote-unquote cinematography of it is gorgeous and beautiful. And I think he gets he needs to get more credit for that particular one. But yeah, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't act as if he's like super praised or things. Yeah, he's got some big, 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 big fans. He's got some big, big, big detractors. So you know what? I, I think Zack Snyder is a good filmmaker. I'm looking forward to this Rebel Moon one that he's doing. Um, so uh, I'm really curious to see how that one turns out. All right, what's next? From A. Marcellus, who sends in a $20 super chat. Thank, Thank you, A. Marcellus. So much. Andor is interesting because we finally see rebels that don't have a Jedi to give them hope. They are high, strong, and paranoid. At least the rebellion in the movies and animated show had Luke, Kanan, Kanan, and Ezra as a morale boost. I mean, look, one of the great things about this, and, and I know there are some people who feel like everything Star Wars needs to have a lightsaber. And I <laughs> think that the universe is just bigger than that. Also, you got to understand in this time period, there's not supposed to be any Jedis. And every freaking Star Wars thing is like, oh my gosh, we found 73 new Jedis when we all thought they were gone. And then another Star Wars thing is about, turns out there's 147 other Jedis still around. Like everything introduces 18 new Jedis that we all thought were dead, but were still around. It's actually kind of cool to see the rebellion was formed without Jedis. And it's kind of see cool to see that the universe itself pulling itself up and saying, we are going to stand against things. Now, of course, Jedis come into play. Absolutely. But I love that aspect of this. I don't listen. I want a Jedi fix. I can watch Mandalorian. I can watch the Ahsoka series. Uh, I can go back and watch Rebels, all that kind of stuff. But I love that we're seeing things just being told from the formation of the rebellion itself. And I personally like that a lot. Thanks for sending that in, Marcellus. And thanks for supporting us on that level, man. All right, what's next? From Yulatan says, what is a voice acting audition like, Chris Carr? Oh, that's a great question. So this can go multiple ways. Sometimes you'll have the full sides or the script in which you have, you know, multiple people talking to each other. What's great about being a voice actor is you don't have to wait for a reader. You get to just do your lines by yourself. The challenge is that you have to react as if they're still speaking to you and have that whole actual dialogue without them there and convey all those emotions. Or you have lines that are completely taken out of context and you have to decide who am I talking to? What is our relationship? What is our environment? In those, your audition needs to be like a killer album, right? There's a through line on an album, but each track on that album has its own vibe. And you want to show that you can run the gamut of emotions. 
And you do you do that in the studio, in person, or at your Typically, house? Typically, auditions are going to be at home. Every now and then, pre-pandemic, you would have callbacks where you'd get directed, um, which was super, super fun. You get to go down to Cartoon Network, and like Seth Green would walk you through shit, and it'd be awesome, and you'd get redirects and everything. For the most part now, though, it's all from home. Um, and then once you book the job, sometimes you're still recording from home where you use something like Source Connect to connect with people and have them do your session, or you get to go into the studio. All right. Thank you. What's next? From Attack of the Mushi says, rumor, Spidey 4 would be a sequel to Born Again? Yeah, I, 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 again, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's enough there to take that credibly. All right, what's next? From Al Renshaw, Anthony Ramos is what gets me excited for Transformers Rise of the Beast. Michelle Yao puts it over the top. Again, Michelle Yao's not going to be in it. <laughs> so I, 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 so again, I, I get it, but I, it's another thing. It's like, ooh, name, but she's not actually going to be there. Mm -hmm. You're going to hear she's going to go into a sound booth somewhere. She's going to be there for a day or two, read some lines of dialogue and thing. They're going to edit it in. And again, it just would have been, I worship Michelle Yeoh, but would have been better if it was uh, an actual voice actor. And not only that, but let's also talk about the fact that an engineer is going to manipulate the performances they're going to make them faster or slower they're going to add in pauses they're going to take away pauses they're going to like the, it is much more manipulated than a physical performance okay. all right what's next from sam fisher have you listened to the werewolf score the track titles are hilarious main title main title there is no peace without tuba elsa's <laughs> ted talk and shreddits i have that's funny. not that's funny i have not actually i've now i'm going to want to go look up the actual soundtrack <laughs> and no read all things main main title kills me that that was really good i had not known thank you for putting that on my radar man you all gotta right. have some fun somehow <laughs> What's next? From us, James Argenta, who sends in a $10 super chat. Thank you, James. In a recent blog post, George R.R. R. Martin said the plan for House of the Dragon is for it to be a before 10 episode seasons. He also said that Patty's performance made him want to rewrite the part of Fire and Blood. Now, wow. I could be wrong about this, but I don't think that's exactly what he said. I think, unless there's another blog post we didn't see, I think what he actually said was not that the plan was to do four 10-episode seasons. I think he said if they want to really tell the story of of the the dance uh, the dance so of the dragons of the dragons mm -hmm. that it would take four seasons mm -hmm. to do it. So again, maybe there was another post that I didn't see right, but I think he said it a little bit differently. Regardless and whatever, God, this show is so good. That's like when Tennessee Williams said about Marlon Brando's performance in uh, not cut on a hot tin roof, but um, uh, the other one that we was famous for, where uh, uh, he said that wasn't the character that I wrote, but that's the character that I intended Stella. to be. Yes. Um, why am I streetcar named streetcar named Dyer? Thank Stella. you. You know, so I mean, to have that kind of uh, praise from a writer is probably the highest praise that I think an actor could receive. Uh, by the way, I got a good friend of mine, one of my business associates, right? You know, I think when the dust settles, I think uh, everybody's going to realize House of the Dragon really isn't that good. Like, <laughs> Your friends. And I just told him, I said, you and me are in different hemispheres, man. Because this show is amazing. Anyway, Your what's next? Stupid. <laughs> Uh, Casey Mack sends in a $10 super chat. Thank you, Casey. Hey, gang, I am so excited for the new series Wednesday coming in November. In fact, I actually got passes to go see either the pilot or the first two episodes early on, uh, early on October 26th. I can't wait. I am not a big Tim Burton fan. I'm not a huge fan of the Adams Family. 
And I cannot wait to watch this show. Yeah. Wednesday is going to be awesome. The, the, the trailers have been fantastic. It looks incredible. And if I, if I find out there's a way to watch it a little bit early on a big screen, mm. I'm definitely going to go take advantage of that. So, yeah, the, these, again, great example of, the way, of good trailers winning you over because I don't even, I never cared about this project, but these trailers look fantastic. Can't wait. All right. What's next? Then Vendetta sends in a $10 super chat. Thank you, Sin. Yes. After 30 minutes of extreme stress and $1,000 later, I finally got my pit tickets to see Blink-182 next summer in L.A. Tom is back at the band, and I am beyond hyped. Today is a great day. Cheers. Yeah, Anne, I, I think I told the story yesterday. Anne oh. came bounding into the kitchen in the morning. She goes, did you hear the Blink-182s getting back together for a tour? I'm like, yeah. She goes, okay, we're going to go see them in L.A. We're going to go see them in San Diego. What? She had like had all the dates laid out. Oh, yeah, she's a big Blink-182 Really? She loves Blink-182. Are they the all the small, yeah. small things? Yeah. Yeah. Tom DeLon. That's how yeah. he says his name. What's happening with Matt, though? That's what I want to know. What you guys doing with Matt from Alkaline Trio? He's been crushing it in Blink. What's happening here? All respect to Tom, but what's happening to Matt? I don't know anything about this at all. All the small thing. That's all right. Funny. What's next? From Sam Fisher, what is the process for picking slash moving a release date? Is it as simple as picking a random day? No. Uh, do they need theater approval? Is there paperwork? Oh, l- no listen, paperwork I'm, at all. I'm not going to nope. go into the whole thing, but you know, when I worked at AMC and I actually got to work with their main, I got to hang out and talk a little bit with their main booker, right? The process, there's actually a huge amount of research and study that goes about like demographics and everything about when would be the right time for this. Of course, you got to take in consideration there's a thousand moving pieces, what other moves or movies are opening around it, uh, like what's the distance between certain holidays and thing, and what traditionally speaking, what do you know, uh, romantic comedies do during the spring season versus the summer season? Versus, I mean, listen, they've got a full science to do with it. And I remember talking to the main booker of AMC, who's the guy who actually would be the one to make the decision about which movies are going to play in AMC theaters and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, you know that meme where you see Zach Galifianakis and then all the math equations mm, go over mm-hmm. it? Like, that's what it totally was. So yeah, it's a huge involved process. It's not something simple. All right, what's next? From Ryan Loner, who sends in $10. Thank, Thank you, Ryan. you so much, Ryan. I had the privilege of seeing Angela Lansbury on stage in Noel Coward's Blythe Spirit. Even at 86, she had a tremendous physicality and threw herself into every moment. We won't see her like we won't see her like again. No, I, I mean, I was re- I mean, again, Angela Lansbury passed away at the age of 96. Uh, but I, I was tremendously sad to hear that. And, you know, I did pop on last night for a little bit. I didn't get to watch the whole thing, but I popped on a little bit of Beauty and the Beast uh, last night. And thinking back to, I, I didn't love, I did not even like the remake of Mary Poppins, but having Angela Lansbury pop in was such a great moment of it. I, oh, Angela Lansbury. Mom, do you remember me watching uh, Murder, She Wrote with Granny? Oh. Murder, She Wrote. Oh, my gosh. My granny loved Murder, She Wrote. Murder, She Wrote. Yeah. I I like that song, too. Yeah, I mean, she was an icon. She was an absolute icon. Uh, The fact that you got to see her live is incredible. All Mm -hmm. right, what's next? Uh, From CJ Rebirth. CJ Rebirth. Thank you. Uh, If you're not enough without a a medal, you'll never be enough with one. From Cool Cool Runnings. Runnings. There was something else about that. It was, oh, yeah, you know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking Spider-Man and Iron Man. Like if you, what, what, what was the line? Like if you need the suit, you don't deserve it or yeah. some, some line like that. But yes, cool runnings did it first. I still remember. I don't know why I still love this part. You remember the part where the one guy's watching the German team. So when they start, instead of doing their countdown, 
like one, two, three, or five, four, three, two, one. He starts yelling out the numbers in German. Do you remember that? Heinz, Frankie, and all of his teammates are looking at us like, what the hell are you talking about? I loved Cool Runnings as a kid. All right, what's next? Suthia says, speaking of X actors and Y roles, you know who I'd love to see in the MCU? Thomas friggin' Wilson. Loved him. Portrayed my favorite family of antagonists. I have no idea who that is. Hold who are you on. Talking about? Thomas Wilson is Thomas Wilson from Back to the Future. Oh my gosh, yes, of course, from Back to the Future. Biff from Back to the oh Future. Who, by the way, apparently is a really nice guy. Yeah. Tom uh, watched some like documentary about Back to the Future and he was, yeah, he, he's, he seems like a really cool guy and he does a lot of voiceover work. Well, yeah, actually, you know what? When I think of him, I don't even think of Back to the Future. I think of a video game series called Wing Commander. That I think Mark Hamill actually did one of the voices in Ooh. as well. But yeah, he he's one of the characters. Wing Commander was one of the first games. This is when you had to get your games on like CD. Mm. But it was one of the first games that had like live action actors and cutscenes and stuff like that. And he was one of the characters in Wing Commander. And come on, shout out guys if you guys remember Wing Commander. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and I'm not talking about the movie version they did of it. I'm talking about the actual game itself. So that's how much of an impression he made on me. And that I think of that before I think of uh these two need to make a movie together now. Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Look I at love that. that. Yeah, I would I would be interested in seeing Thomas Wilson in the MCU. Oh my God, I would be thrilled about that. All right, what's next? From uh Dildar. Dildar. Manscaped. <clears throat> uh, looks like Marvel opened up a delicious bag of oops all delays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, your again, name. that is the thing. When you have something that is that compact and that interconnected, it just takes one thing to go wrong. And that's why it's super important that you don't let what happened with Blade happen to movies like yours. So I, it's, it's unfortunate, but hopefully this will be an object lesson for them and they won't let it happen again. All right. What's next? From uh, uh, Dante Sericia sends in a $10 super chat. Thank you, Dante. Hey, crew, here are five of my favorite rarely talked about John Candy films for everyone listening. Delirious, great. Who's, Who's Harry, Harry Crumb? Armed yep. and Dangerous. Stripes, also awesome. I the Great Outdoors. was in Stripes. Yeah, and The Great Outdoors. Hello. That's one of Anne's so favorites. Good. Enjoy and bring on the filthy. Uh, for some reason, The Great Outdoors and Uncle Buck, like, I, I keep crossing they mush together for me They too. mush together, yeah. Did, uh, and Uncle Buck, didn't they go camping no i'm thinking of the great, great outdoors. outdoors okay so i have no idea what i'm calling Buck was macaulay culkin he was a little kid and yep. it wasn't you know it was before home alone actually and they didn't go camping no clearly i need to watch this documentary and by again, our friend highly encourage everybody to find ways to look up the old episodes of sctv and see john candy on sctv he was so great at that well everybody was fantastic oh my that. gosh all right what's next from Jim One, the Marvels could get pushed back too. Currently, there are three MCU movies in the first half of 2023. The next movie isn't until Captain America in May 2024. Yeah, but they knew that when they scheduled it originally. So I, I don't expect that to be moved at all. I think it's going to stay right where it is. All right, what's It next? was supposed to be coming out next month. Was that when it was originally? Marvel's November 11th, 2022. It's still on that. their IMDb pages that oh, day. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, from Fanjecture says, one of those untitled MCU gotta be Armor Wars, right? Maybe, but remember, they had listed those, they had reserved those spots for untitled upcoming Marvel projects back when they still thought it was that Armor Wars was going to be a series on Disney+. Plus. So it may, or I'm going to guess it's not, but 
It, you might see it pop up and have a completely new release date that isn't listed yet, or it might be one of those. I just wouldn't say it has to be one of those, but it very well could be. All right, good thoughts. All right, what's next? Sad Movies or Movies 2 says, Parents, with all due respect, can kids not wear light-ups? It's a movie theater, not a rave. But it's a rave everywhere I go now, baby. What is a light-up? Those little shoes, the light-up. When, when, they, when they step, the heels light up on their shoes. But why would that be a problem in a movie theater? You're sitting in your seat. I guess when they get up to the bathroom, but it's like, eh. Yeah, I don't, I'll be honest. There's a number of things that can bother me in a movie theater. That's that's not one of them. That one doesn't really particularly bother me. Unless they're just your feet. running up and down the steps. Like Which that the right movie. there would be annoying. Yeah. 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 But, but if they're running up and down the steps, there's, a bigger there's problem. another problem. Yeah, yeah the there's, there's a yeah. bigger problem. I feel and, like and, the actual question is, parents, with all due respect, can you just not have children? Yeah, I ask just, this <laughs> all the time, except if you, because your baby's perfect. True, just leave your you kids at home. <laughs> all right. Just what's kidding. next? Uh, from Hoopsuni says, I wonder where Armor Wars fits in. I can't imagine it's all the way in 2025 or 2026. Hey, listen, remember, it very well could be. They now have to completely rework Armor Wars because it was supposed to be. They had worked on it for a long time for it to be this six episode series. And now it's going to be a standalone movie. They're probably going to make some changes. So I wouldn't be surprised if, it th if it's that long from now. I again, or it very well could be one of those slightly earlier un unreleased or un unannounced uh, release dates. Could be one of those two or an entire, I mean, listen, they may come out of nowhere and say, you know what? March, 2024. And, and just all of a sudden out of nowhere, drop a date on us. Right? So all of those possibilities are in play right now. All right. What's next? This comes to us from Jay King who sends in a $10 super chat. Thank you so much, Jay. Saw Luca. John, help me. Guadagnino. Luca Guadagnino Dino's bones and all bones and all saw Luca Guadagnino's bones and all at the New York Film Festival last weekend, and it was phenomenal. Is that not the new um, Timothy Chalamet? Is that the new Timothy Chalamet film? I believe it is. Yeah, he's a cannibal. So yeah, yeah. My second favorite film of the year, behind everything, everywhere, all at once. Are you guys looking forward to it? Love you guys. Hey, listen, I said this before. I will say it again. I don't think he's there yet. I, but I do think Timothy Chalamet will be the next Daniel Day Lewis. So anything this dude does, I am interested in because I, 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 he is not the greatest actor in the world right now, but he's, his powers are growing. Like every, it's like a mutant. His powers are growing every time I see he's him. He's almost over 9,000. He's <laughs> almost at 9,000. So it's like, at some point I, when he gets into his like mid to late thirties, I think how good this guy is going to be is off the charts. Yeah. But so yeah, everything he's going to be in, I'm absolutely interested in, but I haven't, I haven't heard a lot of specifics about it yet. So I'm glad you had a chance to see it. Have you guys had a chance to, to hear I've anything only about seen this? trailers. I haven't right. read any of the reviews. It seems like a really interesting movie, kind of with like a, um, uh, what is the Woody Harrelson one of the true born killers? Natural, Natural, born, Natural killers. born killers. It feels a little of that, of like people on the outskirts of society who find each other and connect layered with some cannibalism, oh. you know, a feel good movie. Um, so is there a male version of the term ingenue? Because I feel like he's in his ingenue phase, but I know that ingenue is usually a, uh, a term. Brogenue. Bro uh, yeah, I feel like he's in his brogenue phase, and it's going to be really interesting to watch him transition to leading man. Um, I'm just excited about that. Well, he's already kind of doing that with, uh, with Dune. No, I mean like him. Yeah, Like yeah. he still has boyish. He's a Cuba. Yeah, he still has boyish. I mean, boyish he weighs 90 pounds. 
Right. <laughs> like, I'm a grown-ass woman. I don't feel like I can objectify him yet. And as you guys know, I do love objectifying men. Um, so I just feel like, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see when he becomes a more well, adult. Isn't he, like, in his early to mid-20s? He is 26 years old. Yeah, he's in mid-20s. He's not a baby. You know, old ladies a... like me cannot, like, you know, it's it's gross. It's weird. But he could have passed for a high school student a lot better than that one. There we go. Uh, so, oh, sorry. No, not back around again. I knew, I knew it. I knew it. She's got that cheerleader temper. <laughs> oh, no, I cheerleader. I'm sorry about that. All right, what's next? The cheerleader thing's an Cheerleaders are dancers with no rhythm. That's an inside joke. <laughs> James Wheeler, thank you for your $20 super chat. Hello, everyone. I just wanted to thank you all for helping me get through my day Aww, as I attempt so to end John's day. <laughs> thank you. So, wait, first of all, thank you for supporting us on that level, man. That's incredibly generous of you. And thank you for making us part of your day and allowing us to be that. And it is our pleasure, honor even, to be here to do that. So, thanks for that, James. Appreciate that, man. All right, what's next? From uh, Glenn H. Mark says, bring Johnny Depp into... Bring- Depino, bring Johnny Depp into the MCU, playing himself as Elsa Bloodstone's concubine. See Girls Comics Limited Series 2010. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not familiar with that at all. I'm assuming that in that run, Johnny Depp is her concubine. Ooh, what a deep cut, Glenn. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Okay. Rob, Rob probably could have appreciated Rob would that have one been too. Like, yeah. You know, Glenn, you and I park our shuttle straps <laughs> in the same space bay. Are Good you on you. <laughs> All right, what's next? <laughs> From Al Renshaw, the John Campia crew should dress up as the Adams family for Halloween. No, Only question happen. is, would Chris or Aaron be Elvira? Well, she's not part of the Adams she's family, not. first of all. So no, I would want to be Thing. You'd want to just be the hand, or just hand. Yeah, that's <laughs> just wear a black bodysuit with the just exposed hand. I love that. Would oh, you want to be Morticia? Or would you want to be Wednesday? Oh, you know what? I would really want to be Morticia. That's cool. I feel like I am Wednesday. I know. I feel like that too. Okay. I think it <laughs> that works. Cute. I think it works. You could do that. Hey, we All right. Here's What's a show next? here. Uh, from Peter Cunnington says, also, Trains, Planes, and Automobiles is coming out on 4K with a 75 minutes of extra footage. Wow. Yeah, they just announced that recently that they, there is, a, and it's footage that they guarantee nobody has ever seen. Rob's pre-ordered it. Yeah, totally. I'm sure Rob's Would pre-ordered it. Would you believe? And, which is, you know, normally, I, I mean, listen, I like bonus features. I, I really do, but I don't really go hunting down, oh, I want to see this, unless it's Star Wars related. But when I saw that, because planes, trains, and automobiles mm. made me laugh a lot when I was younger. Like pretty much the only thanks, true Thanksgiving film too that you yeah. can watch. And yeah, be like, wow. it's, it's incredible. And that one made me go like 75 minutes of unseen footage of, of John Candy, who we can't get any more new footage of. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. Like I, yeah. So I'm, I'm actually kind of dying to see that. All right, guys. That'll do it for today's installment of the John Campia Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the show, thank you so much for your support. For those of our beloved channel members who sent in your channel member chats, don't worry, we collect those up and we dress them in their own standalone videos. And we won't do one today because there's only about four or five of them that came in today, but we'll probably do one tomorrow or Friday. So keep your guys' eyes open for that. All right, for everybody in the room, the wonderful Chris Carr, we've got Aaron Cummings with the delightful Joey Bishop, who's now awake and isn't dreaming anymore. Aww. Ray Ora has been joining you guys in the live chat. 
Jonathan Voiko, who's been <laughs> running the show. Taylor, who's been over there helping us somewhere for fact-checking. My name's Sean Campion, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. Don't forget, come back at 3.30 this afternoon for our Andor open spoiler discussion after show. We hope to see you there. My name's Sean Campion. Until next time, my friends, bye-bye.